You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to Episode 9 in our Sacrament Series, where Father Paul Robinson will join us to look at each aspect of the new Mass in detail and how it constitutes a gravely insufficient way of adoring the Holy Trinity. We'll be using clips from a couple of Novus Ordo Masses to illustrate each section that Father is discussing, and to be as fair as possible, we will mainly be looking at a fairly reverent, common Novus Ordo Mass. It would be easy to find a new Mass on YouTube with dancers and bands and light shows, but we're trying to illustrate that at its core, at its most reverent, the prayers and the rubrics of the priest are a striking departure from Catholic theology and are closer to Cramner's Protestant reformations. As we move forward in the series, we're looking for help. If you like these series and want to have more of them, you can help us by leaving a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast, and please consider sharing this with someone who you think would like it. That's the best way to help, because you're helping us with this apostolate, to reach as many people as possible with the beauty and the truth of what it means to be a traditional Catholic. Now, let's join Father Paul Robinson for this very important episode nine of the Sacrament Series right now. Welcome back to the SSPX podcast and our next episode on, I almost said the Crisis in the Church series, the Sacrament <laughs> series. Get it right. Uh, That's right. The Sacrament series, Father. Father Robinson, thanks for coming back. How are you? I'm doing fine, Andrew. Uh, it's a pleasure Good. to be back. Likewise, uh, we are on our third episode on the Holy Eucharist. First episode, we looked at uh, basically the Mass in general. Uh, last week, we looked at uh, the traditional rite of the Mass in all of its detail. Uh, and today, we're going to look at the new Mass. So where should we start in our uh, investigation of the new Mass, Father? Well, uh, you know, th- this uh, this topic, just like the traditional Mass, is intimidating, Andrew, uh, but for a different reason. Um just as the traditional Mass is so rich and so well represents our, our Catholic faith, it's hard to to really express that richness. Um, so too, the, the new Mass embodies an, a, a whole ethos, um, and it can be it can be analyzed from so many different angles. Um, you know, and it's just I, I think it's really hard to find people today who who think that the uh, the new Mass is is anything that that. Uh, is commendable. I, I mean, if you just do a YouTube YouTube search for for new mass, just all these videos come up criticizing the new mass. It's pretty much a dumpster fire. Um, so it's it's going to be difficult to express all of the problems with the new mass. Um, what I don't want to do is is kind of repeat what was covered in the in the crisis in the church series. Because um, now, though we have moved on to a new series, um, I'm, I'm hoping that people will still have recourse to that other series. So if, sure. if you recall, um, in that Crisis in the Church series, we actually did four episodes on the new Mass. One of the episodes spoke about the new theology behind the new Mass, um, basically the theology of the Paschal Mystery. Um, another one of the episodes Represented or spoke about the mass as trying to please Protestants. Um, then you and I did an episode talking about attendance of the new mass, where we talked about how really it's not a good idea to go to the new mass, um, even if you have no other mass to go to. And then uh, Father Franks and you did an episode just asking, answering questions that were posed on the previous episodes about the new mass. So. Um, I think what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to do what, similar to what we did 
from the, the episode on the traditional Mass, our last episode, we're just going to go through the new Mass, take a look at it, uh, look at the prayers, try to study it in some details, go systematically, blow by blow, through the different parts of the new Mass, and um, see if we can draw from that uh, an, an idea of that ethos of the new Mass, uh, which can be summarized in, in, first of all, in the fact that the new Mass was constructed to please Protestants. Um, it's an ecumenical effort. Uh, Annabelle Bonini, the, the construct, the main artisan of the new Mass, he, he basically said that, that he wanted to construct a Mass that would remove every stumbling stone in the past, in the path of our separated brethren. Um, so they're really trying hard in this Mass to remove anything that, that would upset the Protestants and basically to make a Mass that the Protestants would be happy to celebrate if they were inclined to do so, or they, they would be able to find a way for it to be to, to acceptable to them by using some of the Novus Ordo options available to them. Sure. Um, and so the, the, then the consequences of doing that, what did they have to do in order to make this mass acceptable to Protestants? Um, so we'll see that as we go along, you know, the, the removal of the sacrificial nature of the mass, the propitiatory nature, the payment of sins, the needing of the, the intercession of the saints. So those things are either removed or reduced to a large degree. Um, so as we go along, I'm just going to make use of, of various references. Um, there have been so many, by this point, you know, it's, it's 2022, it's been 50 years since the new mass was promulgated. There's been an ocean of ink spilled on this topic. Um, so many good books, good resources out there. It's an easy target. Let's this, just this face it. <laughs> it's so bad um, that it's, it's uh, as they say, pretty much obvious to anybody who, who uh, scratches the surface that the new mass is not a good thing. Um, but I'm going to be using various resources. Um, I think I, I would like to provide for the listeners, if they want to study further, some summaries of books that I have made. Um, one of them is Cranmer's Godly Order by Michael Davies. And it's just a historical look at the changes that Cranmer made to the traditional mass for the Anglican religion. That's sort of the first step that that he took. And why, as you're going along, you're just like, wow, this is this is so similar to the new mass. And in many respects, the new mass is closer to that Cranmer's godly order than to the traditional mass. Um, then yep. you had the, the book put together by the, the Society of St. Pius X. Actually, I think it was mainly Father Calderon, um, one of our priests who teaches at our seminary in La Reja, who wrote a book called The Problem of the Liturgical Reform. And that, that seeks to look at the theology behind the new mass. So I'd like to provide those resources, uh, the summary of those books to our listeners. But then... What I will be using will be mainly uh, the Ottaviani intervention, the famous uh, sort of text or initial criticism, brief criticism of the new mass that was kind of commissioned by Archbishop Lefebvre and was signed by Cardinals Ottaviani and Cardinal Bacci. Um, and it's, it's very incisive in its criticism of the new mass. And then there's also there's a more recent book. Um, th this book is called Lex Orandi by Daniel Graham, and it just systematically goes through the new rites of the sacraments and compares the two. 
So that's uh, that's the resources we'll be going to be using in in this podcast. Okay. And I just want to to mention that I'm I'm going to be referring to the the first translation of the New Mass that came out in 1974 um, from ISEL ISEL the International Commission of the English Language. I think that's what it stands for. Uh, but you know there are all of these bodies that were entrusted with translating the the Latin Novus Ordo into the vernacular, um, and Benedict the Sixteenth during his pontificate, he wanted that that the, these horrible translations, the translations were very 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 badly done. They were not even close to the Latin in some cases. The most notorious example being. Um, this is this this blood should be be shed for for all instead of for right. many and in, in, in the consecration formula of, uh, for the precious blood. But um, in in 2011, he commissioned a new translations to be done, and the new translation is a lot better than the one done in 1974. But I think it would be good for us to look at the original translation that came out. Um, and and I just I, I want to note that that even with the new translation, even though it's 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 a lot better than the old one. Um, as I said to someone at a certain point, it's like putting a band aid on terminal cancer. You know, I mean, <laughs> it helps. It's right. good, but the underlying problem is systemic. It's it, it needs to be overhauled. It needs to be redone. Really, if it's going to represent the Catholic faith. Yeah. Sure. Now, when before we even get into the mass, um, and again, I'm I'm kind of pulling on some info. Well, you provided me some notes too, but um, also we talked about this introduction that was done to the new mass. It's called the the general instruction of the Roman Missal, and we can get a lot of information about the intent of the new mass from this general instruction. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I think we have to take the the words of the authors of the new mass seriously. Um, you know, people who try to defend ma- the new mass, they're on, it's, a, it's a very valiant effort. It's a very difficult effort. But uh, there's some people who who bravely go forward to try to do it, um, and they they will try to excuse some of the things that the authors themselves said. But just like the the quote from Annabella Bunina that I just mentioned that the whole his whole purpose was um, not to represent the Catholic faith, but to hide the Catholic faith in order to please the Protestants. So one of the shocking things, as you mentioned, is that there is a general introduction, uh, sorry, a general instruction for the Roman Missal. It's it's true for the old Missal as for the new Missal. It's just at the beginning of the Missal. It um, talks to the, the reader of the Missal about what the Mass is about, how to do the Mass, uh, what to do when something goes wrong, uh, uh, how to observe the, the rubrics, the, 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 the calendar, the liturgical year, and so on. But it was so shocking when the new Mass came out that the, the definition that they gave of the Mass, they're defining the Mass, and they, the definition went as follows. The Lord's Supper, or Mass, is the sacred assembly or congregation of the people of God gathering together with a priest presiding to celebrate the memorial of the Lord. Wow. And that's just not Catholic in any way, shape, or form. Um, the, the, the Lord's Supper or Mass. So the Mass is, in their mind, the Lord's Supper, um, not a sacrifice. 
where sacrifice is not in this definition, um, uh, is the assembly or congregation of the people. It's like, excuse me? Um, you know, in the past, you 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 just needed the the priest. The priest is the is the one who who offers uh, the mass. You used to have a mass without the people being there. So apparently, in their mind, you have to have the people there. Um, but it should be saying it's a renewal of the sacrifice of Calvary. It's saying it's an assembly of people gathered together for for a memorial meal um, with the priest presiding. Not not the priest offering the sacrifice, but the priest presiding. Um, so I think this initial definition is is an authentic representation of the spirit behind the new mass. And I mean, we, we have to take that definition seriously because it was um, the honest words of those who did it. I mean, there was there was so much criticism against that definition that they later changed the definition. But, you know, if, if they're if they're getting the definition wrong. Um, from the very beginning, there's something really wrong. It's like, guys, you got to change your definition of what you just did. <laughs> right. But but they didn't change what they did. You know, they changed the definition right. of what they did, but they didn't change what they did. Yeah. And to me, that's that's kind of an important point, Father. People who will try to um, say that the new mass is okay will say, well, they they changed that. You know, there was some outcry, and so we we revised that. But they revised the definition. They didn't revise the mass itself. So the mass that sprung from this definition hasn't been changed. So it's fair to still look at that original definition. Yes. I mean, the most important thing when, when any of us make anything is, is what was our intent when we did it? What was the spirit in which we right. carried it out? Um, it's, it's not what we call it um, or what we say it is. It's, it's the, the spirit that we infused into our artistry and our product and the new mass is the authentic product of this ecumenical spirit gone mad um, in these these 60s clergy who were drunk on the idea of uniting with our separated brethren by hiding the fact that we're Catholic. And that's that's the plain facts. And so that can't be changed by changing the definition of the new mass. It's just it was already done at that point. When, when we look at the new mass, um, there are certain things that, that come out very clearly. Uh, the, the fact that the priest is put on the same level as the faithful, um, the fact that it's not directed so much to God as it's kind of a conversation between the assembly and the priest, um, the fact that, that uh, because the Protestants don't like the saints, the saints are, are rarely mentioned. Um, and, the, and the fact that that's because the Protestants believe that, that they are already saved, that Christ did everything. There's no work for us to be done. There's no sin to be paid for in the present moment. Um, there's the propitiatory na- nature of the Mass is um, almost eliminated. In other words, this, this uh, particular intention of prayer that we have, one of the four ends of prayer, while we, whereby we seek to make reparation for sin. Um, also, even even the question of adoration, the adoration of God is reduced in the new mass. So you, if you have four intentions of prayer, which would be adoration, petition, thanksgiving, and reparation, um, the, the adoration, the reparation are seriously reduced for the sake of the Protestants, um, while petition and thanksgiving are kind of enhanced and made almost the exclusive ends of the prayers of the mass. Um, also, because 
you know, uh, of the of the fact that they they want to make the the mass something that's that's no longer scripted, um, but much more spontaneous because it's a gathering of people, and people are going to be in a different mood from from day to day. They provide so many options to the priest. Um, that's why people go to the new mass. They don't know what they're going to expect. They have no idea what they're going to expect, depending on what church they go to. Whereas people go to the traditional mass, they know exactly what to expect. And if there's anything, like even the slightest thing that's that's off kilter, they're very suspicious. Like, what's going on here? There's something really wrong. Um, but with the new mass, there's a lot of options provided to the priest. Um, there's there's not a lot of consistency there. And the new mass itself is kind of a hodgepodge. Uh, creation is is trying to do too many things. It's, it's trying to do two things that are impossible: stay Catholic while pleasing Protestants. Um, we're we're never going to be pleasing to, to an authentic Protestant um, because they left us and changed their belief. And so, uh, any authentic Catholic is not going to make a Protestant happy. Just like our Lord uh, was not able to make the people of His day happy because He was teaching the truth to them. So, right. Um, the new mass has has three parts uh, effectively. So there's, uh, and, and when we go along, I'm just going to use the language of the new missal. I'm not going to use the language okay. of the traditional mass. So you know, I'm not going to say mass of catechumens, mass of faithful, and all that. Um, I want to go to the the actual 1969 missal and use the words by which they describe the mass that they created. So they have three parts. Uh, first of all, the introductory rites. Um, that's the beginning part of the Mass. Uh, then there's the Liturgy of the Word, and then there's the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So so those are the, the three parts. Um, and so I, I think we'll just get started with the introductory rites. Okay, sounds good. So the, I think the first thing and most obvious thing to be noticed when the priest comes out of the sacristy, is that um, he's facing the people. He's already at the altar and he's talking to the people. And this is just a massive change of perspective. The priest is not starting at the base of the altar and saying some prayers before he ascends the altar. Um, He's coming out and he says, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and then he speaks to the faithful. He's not addressing himself mm-hmm. to God. And that kind of summarizes the, the whole Mass. One thing that struck me, because going preparing these notes has really helped me see the new Mass to a deeper level. But one thing that struck me is just, it's just there's constant dialogue between the priest and the faithful. You remember when we were going to the traditional Mass, we, we said, okay, now the priest leaves the faithful behind. You know, he sends the holy mountain. Sometimes right. he turns around and talks talks to them, um, but but you know he's he's facing towards God. And then at a certain point, when we get to the canon, he's just setting. He's not going to turn around anymore. <laughs> he's just facing towards right. God in order to focus on the consecration. Right. So that's not the way it is at the new mass. He just the the the, the priest comes out, you know, and he says in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He uh, speaks to the faithful. He says, "Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Um, he's like, "Hello, everybody. You know, God bless you. God be with you." And they say, "And also with you." 
in that in that old translation, it should be in with your spirit, you know, ecum spiritu tuo. Um, so that's that's how the mass begins, and I, I think you've probably heard, I've heard of of these masses where. Um, the priest just comes out. He says, the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. He's like, hi, everybody. And they're like, hi, Father Bob. Yep. You know, and, and I've yep. heard stories where, where he's like, um, I can't hear you. You need, to, you need to say that louder. And like, oh, hi, Father Bob. You know, that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, like you said, it's, it's a dialogue. It's a conversation. The whole thing starts out that way. And you, like you said, you don't have that sense of awe and respect and honor from the very beginning. It's like you and I sitting here today having a conversation. Hi, Father Robinson. Yeah. How are you? Or hi, Father yes. Paul, they would say. My name is Father James Fox, and I'm happy to be your celebrant for today's pre-recorded Mass. Yeah, so I mean, is is this about, about offering homage to God, or is this about us getting together, perhaps talking about God, but right. not directing our worship directly to him. I mean, we, indirectly, we can say perhaps, you know, God's there. But right. uh, in the traditional mass, it's so clear that that uh, the, the, the priest is there to offer something to God. Everybody, the whole congregation, everybody's focused on God. Right. In the, um, uh, in the traditional mass, we have immediately this sense of the priests and the faithful's unworthiness, um, especially the priest. He's, he feels unworthy to, to go up to the altar. Is there any of that sense uh, in the new mass, Father? Well, no, no, because he just he just walks right up to the altar, um, so he's already there. So you don't you don't get this sense that he needs to to purge himself. Um, it is true there is still a confidier of sorts in the new mass. Um, so they they kept something that they call or they construct something they call the penitential rite, and in the penitential rite. There is a confidier. Um, they do remove all the saints except for Our Lady. Um, well, they mention the saints. They say all the angels and the saints, but they, 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 they fail to mention the saints by name, John the Baptist, uh, Apostles Peter and Paul, uh, the, the Archangel Michael. You know. um, they, they, mention, they do mention Our Lady by name, but she's the only one. But what is, what is interesting with, with regards to um, this confidier and this penitential rite is that it reduces the role of the priest. The, the priest and the faithful, they say the confidier together. Um, the, the priest addresses the, the faithful and he says, Let us acknowledge our sins, preparing ourselves to celebrate these sacred mysteries. And then uh, I'm just giving the first option, all these things. There's a lots of options. They're just by, pretty much all along the way. Um, so then they, they launch into the confidier, or there's actually 10 options here. They don't have to say a confidier, um, but they, they say the confidier together. Um, and then the, they, they, the priest says, May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Um, that's the Misericordia, the some equivalent of the Misericordia from the traditional mass. Um, but then there's no indulgencia. You know, in the traditional mass, the, the priest says, "May the Almighty and Merciful God grant us pardon, absolution, and remission of our sins." And the priest is the only one who says that. 
Um, and he acts in his role as a minister with the power to forgive sins. So it's, it's like a, an absolution there in the Mass. Of course, it's not sacramental confession, but, but the priest is using his power as priest. Um, that is removed from the new Mass uh, because the Protestants don't like this idea that the priest has a special power, uh, especially they don't want anything hinting of that power to absolve from sins. But the indulgentiam clearly represents his power to absolve from sins. So that, that prayer is removed. Okay. So then the priest, well, he doesn't ascend the altar. He's already there. So I guess that there's yeah. no prayers like we would we would have the offer nobis or anything like that? No. No, there's okay. no offer nobis. There's no aramisti domine, um, no kissing of of the altar. Um, he, he does kiss it at the beginning, but but there's there's no ascending to the altar. But then there's there's the Kyrie. <clears throat> the Kyrie is modified um, in the traditional mass, as you know. There's three sets of three, um, and the Novus Ordo mass. There's three sets of two. So there's again there's this dialogue uh, with the faithful. The three sets of two is better for dialogue with the faithful. Um, it, whereas if you have nine, nine invocations, you know, it's not an even number, so you can't go back and forth the whole way. Um, but there's there's a certain reduction of honor to the Trinity because there's not three sets of three. Um, that's why the traditional mass has has that to to honor the Trinity. And it's kind of striking that in, in the new mass, um, all references to the Trinity are removed. So this is Daniel Graham of the Lex Orani book. He speculates that because there are certain Protestants who don't believe in the Trinity, um, the so-called reformers did not want to have any references to the Trinity. Then there is the Gloria. Um, the, the Gloria is fairly much the same, but again, it suffers from translations. They, they, uh, they translated the Gloria in the way that the Protestants translated the Gloria, you know, you have that scene of the angels. It's called the angelic hymn because when the angels appear to the shepherds, they pronounce the first words, uh, glory God, to God on the highest and on earth, peace to men of goodwill. Yeah, but the Protestants change that on earth, peace, goodwill to men. You know, um, that's how they changed it. So, so it doesn't depend upon your dispositions, whether you get peace or not. You just get it automatically. Um, so they, that, uh, that first translation of the, of the New Mass, it's, it says, Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Whereas, of course, the traditional Mass has the authentic Catholic translation of Scripture. I think we need to stick to Scripture, not change what it says. Um, that would be good. You know? Right. Yeah, that would be a yeah. good idea. Um, on the um, so after the Gloria, then generally we would move to the Collect. Um, yes, is there a Collect in the New Mass? Let us pray. There is a Collect in the New Mass, um, and I, I think I mentioned in the traditional Mass when we talked about the traditional Mass that <clears throat> the changes of the Collects uh, of the New Mass are very very striking. It, you know, there's there's a million ways in which you can find the intent of the reformers realized in the mass and connect cause and effect. Um, so it's very striking. The traditional missal it contains 1,182 collects, and the the reformers they just found 760 of those that they just said we can't use these. Okay, we're just getting rid of these. Um, so that's 64 percent. 
of the 36% that remained, they, they changed over half of them. And when you go through them systematically, what you see is they systematically remove references to hell, to sin, human weakness, the world, the flesh, the devil, detachment from the world. Um, so we don't want to give the world a hard time. And we don't want to act like we're sinners uh, needing to do something about our sin. So we, we, we don't want to say we want to separate ourselves from the world. Um, we don't want to talk about the punishment due to our sins or the fact that we need to make up for our sins. Uh, that's the pattern wow. that is seen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, after this, then we get to the liturgy of the word, and they changed this from the mass of the catechumens to the liturgy of the word. Is there a reason why there's this different name for it, Father? Yes, yes. The The reason why they wanted to uh, make this change of terminology is because they wanted to somehow put the reading of Scripture on the same level as the canon of the mass, the sacrificial part of the mass. So they they make it seem like, um, well, they, they're, they're in their own language, they speak of the liturgy of the word as the, as the people eating from the table of Scripture. Um, and what, what they do is they kind of make Scripture an end in itself, uh, a liturgy unto itself. Whereas in the old Mass, the Mass of the Catechumens was merely a preparation uh, of the dispositions of those attending for them to uh, be able to assist the second part of the Mass uh, better. So, you know, be, because the, the, the canon of the Mass the sacri- was the sacrificial part of the Mass and the, the, the essential part of the Mass, and the church even said to people, you know, you, you attend Mass, you actually attend Mass if you arrive by the offertory, whereas if you don't arrive by the offertory, you don't attend Mass. Um, I don't know, but perhaps that's the same with Novus Ordo, but, but um, definitely in the old mass is very, very clear that the liturgy of the faithful is the main part of the mass. And the mass of the catechumens is something less than that. But in the new mass, they, they kind of make scripture in, the, in itself by having a three year cycle of readings um, as, as if <clears throat> you have to, the reason why we have mass, one of the reasons why we have mass is so we can hear scripture. Um, in other words, we need to hear the whole of Scripture over a period of three years. If we don't do that, it's it's not good. So they make Scripture an end in itself. They make the liturgy of the Word kind of um, its, its own proper liturgy on par with the liturgy of the Eucharist, the, the canon of the Mass. Um, and they uh, they say that the, the, fief, the faithful eat from Scripture, they, they they consume the Word of Christ, and then in the liturgy of the Eucharist, they consume Christ Himself. And what this does is it, is it raises up Scripture to a higher level than it should be. Scripture should be at the service of the sacrifice, and not a standalone thing, because this is the Mass. Um, and they tend to reduce the real presence. So Scripture has to be bumped up, and the real presence has to be brought down for the two to meet. Well, well, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, it. it the reason I say that is it, it makes sense if what you're going for is what they were going for, which was to yes. make it more accessible, more, uh, more even with Protestant services. So, in that sense, that's what I mean when I say it makes sense. Yes, yes. Um, that's what you should do if that's what you, your intention is. Right. 
Um, so we have these, we have the readings, um, we have these, these various readings and it's not the priest generally who does them. I mean, he can, but it's no. often not him. Right. Right. And, um, I don't know what, what, uh, mass you are going to use to associate with this, with this podcast. And I'm sure you'll be able to, uh, hopefully we'll be able to put some excerpts from the new mass in there. I myself, um, I, there's, there's a new mass that, that's kind of my go-to video to, to study the new mass. And this is a, a new mass that was done in the Denver cathedral, um, by a priest there, Father Fox in March of 2020. Um, but, it's very striking that that uh, it's it's lay people, it's lay women involved in doing the readings. Um, and you might know that in 2021, Pope Francis changed the code of canon law to open these ministries up to to women um, in the sense that there will be an actual ceremony inducting them into the ministries of lector and acolyte. So of course they did it before, but it was not like official. Um, they didn't have the title as such. But it was done in many places. I mean, the ceremony took place before he changed the code of canon law. But um, then, just a, like last month or the, the month before that, he had the first ceremony where he received certain women and conferred upon them this ministry. It's not. He made it clear it's not an order, and this doesn't mean women can be priests. Um, but the fact is that it is a serious reduction of the priesthood to have lay people um, and lay women um, come and, and do these readings. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 there's a loss of reverence. There's a loss of reverence. Sure. There's a loss of the sense of who the priest is. Loss of reverence for God, loss of reverence for, for the priest. So the, the, um, the names that they give to their readings, they, they say there's, there's, a, there's the first reading, then there's the responsorial psalm, um, then there's second reading. And then there's there that, that those are like the preliminary readings. Um, I think usually like um, a, a prophecy, something from the Old Testament reading from the Old Testament. Then the responsorial psalm. Then a reading from the New Testament, and then they they go to the gospel. So similar order to the traditional mass. They have the the gospel acclamation, then the gospel itself um, before going into the creed. So. The, 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 this is similar to the traditional Mass, um, these readings, but what's, what's seriously different is who is doing them um, and the spirit in which they're done. Uh, this is not so much let us prepare ourselves for the sacrifice as let's listen to a reading of Scripture. You know, mm-hmm. um, this, is, this is Scripture uh, for its own sake. We're not going to select the readings as such in order to match the spirit of the Mass um, but we're just going to go sequentially through Scripture and hear all of Scripture in a period of three years. Right. Um, after the gospel, we have the creed. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Then there's the creed. Um, yeah. The, the the only thing to note there is that the original translation of the creed, and again, this was changed by Pope Benedict, but um, they said, we, we believe um, as, as a way to indicate that this is a gathering of the faithful. Um, it's not an individual profession of faith. There's also something about the new mass where um, it's if it does speak about sin, it likes to speak of it of the collectivity of sins and not people taking individual responsibility for sins. Um, and the same with the profession of faith. It's 
it's uh, changed to we, I changed to we. Uh, Luther did the same thing because he wanted to make it more an assembly of the faithful. And after that, you have um, what are called the bidding prayers. Um, these prayers of petitions that the congregation can make. Um, the, the the priest will say, let us pray for Pope Francis and, and the bishops in Rome. And the faithful will say, Lord, hear, hear our prayer. Baptized into Christ Jesus, we are called to carry one another into the kingdom of God. And so we do that each Sunday when we lift up our prayers for ourselves, but for all the world. For Pope Francis, may he continue to be strengthened by the glory of Jesus at work in him, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all civic leaders. May and they can submit things to ask to be prayed for. Um, this did exist in the Mass at one time, but it was they were removed very early on by St. Gregory the Great. And then uh, Cranmer restored them in the Anglican mm. Rite. When he designed his Rite, he put them in there. Of course, here they, they are back again in the Novus Ordo. And it's, it's another one of those points of the new Mass. There's so many where um, the cringe meter can, can really be pegged. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, let's play for Bob, the hot dog man who's sick in the hospital. You know, um, let, let's, let's pray for so-and-so's dog um, who, you know, j- just got his shots and is not feeling well. And, you know, it, it's it, it, there's too much of the mundane, mundane there that can easily creep in and, uh, again, give loss of reverence for the Mass. And, and, and again, I mean, to, to be fair— Having intentions for mass is is a great thing, but it's not an right. open thing to the congregation where everyone chimes in and pipes in and and yeah. and I don't know why Saint Gregory the Great took it out of the mass, but I would presume it's something like that. It's yes. you know let's let's kind of make this a little bit more reverent and not have random people from the congregation chiming in on things. Exactly, um, as we said, you know, um, over time the the church because we're we're creatures where we don't do everything exactly right at the beginning but it takes us time to develop a sense um, and so the, the church grew in her appreciation of the mass over time and what ceremonies should accompany the mass our lord did not give us the ceremonies he gave us the sacrament not the ceremonies so it was up to us to design the ceremonies and um, the, the church did quite well at the, at the beginning but still there were some things to be refined and, and these refinements came from a greater appreciation of what the Mass was. So if these things were taken out and other things were added, there was there was a really good reason for it. Um, and to put them back in, especially after the Protestants put them back in. You know, if, if you know the Protestants separate from from us um, and that, that St. Gregory the Great took them out and, and the Protestants put them back in, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. So that wraps up the Liturgy of the Word. Um, next we move to the liturgy of the Eucharist and the offertory as we know it is very much different. In fact, they don't even call it the offertory, correct? Correct. Um, the, the new offertory, to be honest, is just an abomination. Um, it's, it's terrible. They call it the preparation of the altar and the gifts. So what we're going to find is that so often in this new mass, um, they do not refer to the offering as an oblation. Um, sometimes they're referred to as an offering. I don't think they use the word oblation, but so often they're referred to it as gifts, gifts that you give to God. Well, 
there's a big difference between a gift and, ob- and an oblation, um, the, between a gift and a sacrifice, a, a sacrificial victim. They, they do not use the word victim. The word victim does not appear in the new mass. So they've seriously, seriously changed the whole spirit of the, the offertory by effectively changing it to an exchange of gifts between God and man instead of the offering of a sacrificial victim to God. Um, and j- let me just mention that, that, you know, that there's, there's three essential parts of the sacrifice that we spoke about in that first podcast on the traditional mass. Um, you, you have to have the offering of the sacrifice, the uh, consecration or the immolation of, of the sacrifice, and then the consummation of the sacrifice. So that's not what the Novus Ordo gives us. And this is the main problem with the Novus Ordo is it's not giving us the three essential parts of a sacrifice. Um, instead of the offering of the victim, you have this blessing of food. Basically, that's what happens at the offertory. The new offertory is just like, we're going to bless some food with some Jewish meal prayers. <laughs> um, then we, we come to the consecration. Instead of, instead of being a consecration um, through a sacramental rite of, of the Eucharistic species, it's basically a prayer of thanksgiving, a memorial and a memorial of what has happened since we give thanks to God. And then when we come to the communion, it's not the consuming of a victim that has been sacrificed, um, but it's basically sharing of food. The, the, the congregation shares food. So the, it all starts here with this new offertory, which is the preparation of the altar and the gifts um, by the fact that we are no longer speaking of a victim. Um, we're just speaking of of gifts that are being offered to God. And we're no longer talking of this as an oblation um, using sacrificial language, but we're, we're talking about it as um, we give a gift to God and God changes it into spiritual bread and spiritual wine that kind of give us life. Um, so we'll, we'll see that in, in a second. So, so again, I mean, in, in the offertory, Father, we have, and and we're probably going to see this as we go throughout, but we're we're seeing a whole. Uh, the offertory is basically made in order to appease Protestants. Again, it's it's going back to what Cramner was doing. Yes, yes. So I mean, if you think about it, if you had a family member and and uh, you, everybody's been brought up the same way, you all have a certain set of family values, and and the family member goes off and like gets into some sort of same-sex marriage or something. Um, and there's a, there's a rift in the family as a result. Um, and over time, you know, some of the family members say, let's just, let's just patch things up. And what, what we're going to do is, is we're going to basically make it seem like we are like this strange family member. Um, we're going to, we're going to pretend that that we're just like him and we accept him. We're going to accept him back in. But we're going to tell everybody else that we're still the same, that we've always been. Um, and, and, and if you did, did that, you would sell your, your family values down, down the river. Um, so we're taking something that's heretical, the Protestant ideas and their Protestant liturgy, their, their, their way of expressing their ideas. We're going to say we'll, we'll just – because we've been separated from them for 500 years, we're going to try to please them and say, okay, yeah, you you left us and uh, you caused a lot of wars and, you know, this has been a lot of trouble between us. But we're, we're going to 
um, change our, our ways to make it seem like we're on the same team now. And we're going to accept you um, as basically being the equivalent with us who have been faithful to the truth all these years. So that's, that's definitely what's, what's happened here in this offertory. It's, it's nothing short of a betrayal of our Catholic identity. It's been foisted on the Catholic faithful for a period of 50 years. And there's, there's something right. almost, almost worldly about this, this offertory. Um, if, if the Nova Soto Mass is anything, it's short. It's like extremely, it's amazing how quickly it can be said. I, I suspect it can be said in 15 minutes if necessary, but all the prayers are so short. It's like they're allergic to praying for an extended period of time without talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the traditional Mass prayers seem so much longer when you compare them side by side, it's almost like the, the people constructing the, the mass are afflicted with something called acedia. And it's a spiritual disease where you just become tired of doing religion. It's like, I'm sick of doing religion. And if you have to do it at all, you just like do it as quickly as possible and get it over with. You know, um, there's, there's a lack of fervor. There's, there's, there's a lack of intensity. In this new mass, the prayers are so reduced. I think the number of words, the total number of words in the Novus Ordo Offertory is 125. Um, that's the grand total. So it's seriously, seriously reduced. So the offertory, it, it's um, it's not, it, it was totally reconstructed. Is that right? Totally reconstructed. So in traditional mass, you have the offering of the of the bread, and you have the offering of the wine. And what, what they do in the Novus Ordo Mass to replace these prayers of offering is effectively they take two prayers from a, a Jewish uh, meal called the Seder meal. Um, it was, it was a, a, a meal that appears in the Talmud. Um, it's a Passover meal. But that meal was, was not a sacrifice. It was, it was a commemoration of the Passover and this meal was, was instituted after the destruction of the temple. So it had no connection with the offering of sacrifice. Um, so it's the strangest thing that they would take prayers from a Jewish ceremony that, that was instituted after the coming of our Lord. It's, it's very bizarre indeed. But the prayer for, for the bread says, Blessed are you, Lord, God of all creation. For through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth, and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. So that, that prayer is a prayer from the Jewish meal. Um, and the faithful respond, blessed be God forever. So it will become for us the bread of life. Now we as Christians, we, we use bread of life to speak of our Lord, right? Sure. In the Eucharist. Um, but it doesn't have to mean our Lord. And there's no reference to the fact that it's our Lord or that it's a victim. Um, so it could just mean some sort of spiritual bread. And it's, it's left out. So they, you, you, so many times you can take it in a, in a traditional Catholic sense or you can take it in, an, in another sense. But if we're going to express our faith, we need to say explicitly that this bread is going to become our Lord. Uh, we need to refer to him. And we mm-hmm. need to say that it's, it's, a, it's a victim. It's a, it's a spotless victim. So, um, b- besides that, this, this question of it being the work of, of human hands, it's kind of striking that in the Old Testament, whenever 
um, there's reference to the work of human hands that almost always refers to idols, the making of idols. And God is displeased that at this work of human hands that has been done, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's kind of chilling. This prayer is very chilling, you know. So I, I knew that they had taken the, uh, the, the prayer from the Seder meal and put it into the new mass. Um, I always thought, though, that it was that this was not a, a prayer from after the destruction of the temple. Temple. I thought this was they were mimicking or or redoing the prayer that our Lord would have said at the Last Supper, um, which sort of yes. makes sense. I mean, again, right. the, the mass has the mass has changed over time, and we've added things to it. Um, and so the offertory should not be the same anymore, but at least that sort of made sense. But the fact that it's done from after the time of our Lord. Wow. But I mean, but again, like, like we've talked about the, you know, the, the popes, the, the fathers of the church, you know, they, they're, they're not mimicking the last supper. That's, that's not the intention of the mass. No, no, not at all. They're, they're mimicking Calvary, they're mimicking Calvary. So, um, yeah, it's the Protestants who we try to make their service into a remembrance of the Last Supper. It's Catholics who try to make the Mass a renewal of the sacrifice of Calvary. Uh, two very different perspectives. Yeah. So after that, you have um, the mixing of the water with with the with the wine, um, as in the traditional Mass. But they have an extremely abbreviated prayer. Uh, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Then the offering of the wine is, um, as I they, as they mentioned, the, the, again, the, the Jewish prayer before meals. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Um. And I, I just want to read this withering criticism from the Ottaviani intervention of of this passage of the fact that they use um, this Jewish prayer before meals, and they and they do not refer to our Lord; they just refer to um, this food and drink, the the bread of life and the spiritual drink. It says the expressions "bread of life" and "spiritual drink" are utterly vague and could mean anything. Once again, we come up against the same basic equivocation. According to the new definition of the Mass, Christ is only spiritually present among his own. Here, bread and wine are only spiritually and not substantially changed. So these words could easily be taken to imply that, that Christ is only spiritually present among us. We're only we're receiving a spiritual drink and a bread of life, but it's not actually consecrated. Um, it's not a sacrament. We're not receiving our Lord as such. There's no transubstantiation that's going to take place here. If we're using that language, we, it needs to, at the very least, it needs to be made explicit, and it's not. Sure. Um, then right after that, you have uh, a prayer uh, that mentions the word sacrifice. So the word sacrifice is mentioned several times in the new mass. Um, I think it's at least four times the word sacrifice is used. But whenever it's used, um, it's not associated with the offering of a victim. Um, so the traditional sacrificial uh, 
things that have the things that happen at a sacrifice you, you where you have an oblation you have a living victim that's being used uh, that is never associated with the word sacrifice protestants also use the word sacrifice we use the word sacrifice in a, in a very uh, extended broad sense you know like um, we're making sacrifices for Lent or we're giving sure. giving up sweets or whatever I'm, I'm making the sacrifice so the, the the word sacrifice is used it's just not used um, as explicitly as it should be to link up with the offering of a victim the Ativiana intervention says in the Eucharistic prayers the, the prayers for the canon the repeated petitions to God that he accept the sacrifice have also been suppressed Thus, there is no longer any clear distinction between divine and human sacrifice. So we, because they're not being explicit in the use of the word sacrifice, we're, we're missing this aspect of us offering God to God, um, that, that we have a living victim on the altar um, and we're offering it to God. You get more the impression of we have some gifts that we've prepared for you, God, and we're going to give them to you. And it's a sacrifice for us to do so. Um, and you are going to give us spiritual blessings as a result. So there's this exchange of gifts that we have of God um, that can certainly be taken from the new Mass that doesn't explicitly indicate that we're offering sacrifice of Calvary. So after this, we have the washing of the hands, and this still exists in, in the new Mass too. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. It, it, uh, the, the, the prayer is, Lord, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. And and that's it. That's that's all they say of the psalm. Um, they're not into long prayers. Um, so the uh, the whole psalm um, it's it does have a close connection with the priesthood. It's uh, the, the priest washing his hands in order to prepare to the offering of the sacrifice. And the the priest mentions uh, people who are not walking in the right way, um, people who are unjust, enemies, deceitful, wicked, and so on. And um, the, the, the Novus Ordo Spirit just does not like those notions. Um, and it's, it's striking that Cranmer removed the lavabo uh, in the Novus Ordo. They just keep basically one line from it. Okay. Then um, the prayer after that is is almost identical to the prayer in the uh, the traditional mass, where the priest says to the faithful, "Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God." Here he says, "Pray, brethren, that that our sacrifice." You know, he doesn't distinguish himself from the faithful. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may truly be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Again, losing that distinction between the priests um, and the faithful. And the faithful say, may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his church. Almost, almost the same. Then comes the secret, what used to be the secret of the Mass. Of course, there's nothing secret in the new Mass. Um, nothing is said silently anymore. And so it's a serious loss of, of reverence. Uh, one of the greatest abominations of the new Mass is the, the canon is, is said perfectly out loud and facing the people. Um, but it's no longer called the secret. It's called the prayer over the gifts. The prayer over the gifts. Um, so it's not prayer over the oblation, prayer over the sacrificial offering. Um, it's just prayer over the gifts, again, indicating that uh, we can easily take this as, as just an exchange of gifts with God. We give him 
the work of human hands, <laughs> they give us spiritual blessings. Right. Okay. Um, so then we move on to the um, to the the canon to what used to be called the canon. Now is called the the Eucharistic prayer. Uh, and I would presume the reason they don't call it the canon anymore is because, well, it's not unchanging. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, the canon means unchanging a fixed rule, um, but there's uh, four Eucharistic prayers, and now there's many more Eucharistic prayers. It's one thing that when uh, Archbishop Lefebvre was, was speaking to uh, Pope Paul VI, one of the things he was complaining is like there were so many Eucharistic prayers. He's like, I know here there's 22 of them now. And, and Paul VI was like, no, there's many more. You know, he was just sort of lamenting with Archbishop Lefebvre all these new canons that they were inventing, unless we would, we would call them. Um, so it is at this point that we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. It's no longer called um, the canon of the Mass. It's called the the. Uh, the Eucharistic prayer. I mean, sorry, this is this is the second part of the liturgy of the Eucharist. Um, it's the Eucharistic prayer. It starts off with the preface and the Sanctus. May the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God, which is very similar to the traditional Mass. Um, and what what I'm going to go through is Eucharistic prayer one, which is the closest to the traditional mass. Um, okay. Just taking the the best, getting the the Novus Ordo, the the best we can give it. Um, but uh, there are some significant changes. Uh, the that that Novus Ordo mass that I have that that I use sort of use for my own study. It uses Eucharistic prayer two, and that is uh, a, a very popular one. Um, but it's extremely short. They're all short, but but uh, number two is especially short. So one thing, the, a couple of things we have to notice is is that the signs of reverence, the, the rubrics, the, those strict rubrics that the priest must follow in traditional mass, they're, they're basically gone. All the all the gestures that indicated uh, sacrifice that linked the, the the mass to a sacrifice, they're they're gone. Especially the signs of the cross that the priest keeps making over and over again. There's 26 of them in the traditional mass. Now there's just two signs of the cross. And the new mass and the genuflections. Um, there's so many genuflections a priest has to make in the traditional mass, and they're almost completely gone in the new mass. So, um, the first prayer uh, says, "We come to you, Father, with praise and thanksgiving." Again, this praise and thanksgiving through Jesus Christ, your Son. Through Him, we ask you to accept and bless. So, here's the one time where the priest makes a sign of a cross. Bless these gifts which we offer you in sacrifice. So um, we get close, we get close, but again, we're using the word of gifts. We offer them for your Holy Catholic Church. Watch over it, Lord, and guide it. Grant it peace and unity throughout the world. We offer them for Francis, our Pope, and you know, so-and-so, our Bishop, and for all who hold and teach the Catholic faith that comes to us from the Apostles. So... Um, yeah, the, the, the continual use of the word gifts, as, as I keep saying, makes it seem that we're just offering the work of human hands to God, not actually um, the sacramental presence of our Lord. Uh, then comes the memento of the living. And there's a striking part of this prayer that's kind of like us bragging about ourselves to, mm. to God. Um, similar to the, 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 the prayer of the Pharisee, in the temple that our Lord condemned, 
Um, it says, remember, Lord, your people, especially those for whom we now pray. So and so, remember all of us gathered here before you. You know how firmly we believe in you and dedicate ourselves to you. We offer you the sacrifice of praise for ourselves and for those who are dear to us. We pray to you, our living and true God, for our well-being and redemption. So, um, yeah, you know how how good we are, <laughs> how devout oh. we are. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have um, anything to say on that one. That one should be pretty obvious, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the equivalent of the communicantes in the old mass. Um, so uh, at at that time. In the traditional mass, we mention all of those martyrs, the the, the male martyrs, um, that we, we want to be performing this in union with them and in preparation for uh, making the act of consecration. So the Tridentine Mass, we have to name 62 saints by name. Um, but in the Novus Ordo Mass, that number gets reduced to nine. They're absolutely obligatory that the priest has to name um, – and the Eucharist prayer number two doesn't, in, in fact, invoke any saints whatsoever um, because, you know, the Protestants don't like saints. And the, and the few saints that are remaining, they're, they're typically figures of Scripture, figures that can be found in Scripture. They're not saints that appeared afterwards, these great Catholic figures at the beginning of the church. Um, so this prayer says, in union with the Holy Church, we honor Mary, the ever-Virgin Mother of Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. We honor Joseph, her husband, the apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew and all the saints. May their merits and prayers gain us your constant help and protection. Then um, we go to the to the equivalent of the Hank Ijitor. Um, we're finally using the word offering, but not oblation. Father, accept this offering from your whole family. Grant us your peace in this life. Save us from final damnation and count us among those you have chosen. Um, there are requests for salvation um, in, in the new Mass, which, which is good. Then the Quam Oblationem uh, prayer becomes the following prayer in the Novus Ordo. Bless and approve our offering. Make it acceptable to you an offering in spirit and truth. Let it become for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Lord. So it's good that it mentions that the this desire that it become the body and blood of our Lord. Um, but unfortunately, it does take out the word consecrate. Um, and so that the word consecrate is no longer in the new Mass. It's systematically removed. And um, also, the through Christ our Lord, um, that that appears at the end of, of so many prayers in traditional Mass, um, that's made optional. Even this, this question of through the intercession of our Lord um, is, is often left out or can be left out. Wow. So uh, then we, we move to the, the consecration. And this is, this is extremely important here. Um, there's a criticism of the Ativiani intervention and, and it's it's the, what what the Ottaviani intervention has a problem with in the, in the consecration of the new mass is that it's not disposing the priest. The rubrics are not disposing the priest to pronounce 
the form of a sacrament. So um, it doesn't make a proper distinction between the words of consecration and the rest of the words. And it makes the words exactly the same words as they are found in Scripture, whereas the traditional Mass, it, the form of the sacrament, the words are a little bit different from the words in Scripture. Um, so we're not just trying to repeat what Scripture says and have a narration of what happened at the Last Supper. So with with this new Mass, um, what the priest said could easily be taken as a narration, and the gestures that he has or, or the way he performs the sacrament could easily be understood by him to be in a narration because he doesn't have to do special things. Um, like but the, the traditional mass, the priest has to stop before he pronounces the words of consecration. He, he does make uh, some reference to what happened before, uh, who sure. on the night before he suffered, took bread into his hands, he blessed, he broke, and so on. The priest says all that. But then he has to stop. He has to bend down. He has to pronounce the words of consecration in a different voice. But in the new mass... The priest doesn't do that. Um, and it's so striking to me where in, in, this, in this video of the Mass that I have, the priest just breezes through the whole thing. It's like he's telling a story. You know, I mean, he's holding up bread, but he's just like, um, you know, the day before he suffered, took bread in his blood and said, and said for this is my body. Um, and, and, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. For at the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, Take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. And and the main problem here is that if the priest is only wanting to do a narration, if he's not wanting to confect the sacrament, he's not wanting to consecrate, um, then it's not a consecration. It's it's, it's not a sacrament. Um, You know, like like if I were saying the Mass of Corpus Christi and I go to, to say the gospel, and there's the words of consecration in there. And I'm just wanting to read the story of right. what happened at the Last Supper, um, not wanting to perform a sacramental act. Um, and if I do not have that attention to perform a sacramental act, I'm not performing a sacramental act. But certainly when I'm reading the gospel, I'm, even though the, the, the bread and the, and the wine are, are around, um, I'm not confecting a sacrament because I don't intend to. Right. So th- this is this is very worrisome. Um, yeah, the... Uh, the, the 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 rubrics of the new mass do not dispose the priest to perform a sacramental action so it's left up to the priest to want to do that i mean hopefully the priest does want to do that sure and that's what priests have in mind but if the if the priest is, is a modernist and he's he's saying this is just an assembly of the faithful to remember the last supper and to share uh, a sort of spiritual meal um, then that's that's not going to be sufficient the the new mass allows him that option of just having some sort of memorial. Um, so this is not good. Definitely not mm-hmm. good. Right. Um, yeah. In, 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 in the, in the traditional missile, the, the words are set apart even. I mean, you, you talked about how the rubrics of the priest are, are done in a certain way and the, and his voice changes, but even in print form, that's why the words are that big in the missile. Yeah. It's <laughs> to truly set it apart. It's not because the priest has bad eyesight. It's to really set it apart and to make this break between narrative and current action. Yes. And it's like you, these are the important words that make this transubstantiation happen. Um, so you have to be really careful in saying them. Whereas um, the, 
the, the words as they appear in the in the new missile, um, it seems they're, they, they're not um, marked off in such a clear manner. Um, and yeah, the the consecration is no longer called the consecration. It's called the narrative. It's called the institution narrative in the missile itself. Um, so that's kind of inclined the priest to treat it as um, just telling a story about what happened in the past instead of performing a sacrament. Something there's there's a few other things that are problematic, and um, one of them is that right after he pronounces the word of consecrations, he immediately does the elevation. So he shows it to the faithful, and then he genuflects. Um, so he should genuflect immediately because that's the moment when our Lord comes down. Like he's now present. I want to adore him as soon as he comes. Uh, but instead, the, the priest shows it to the faithful. And what does this mean? Why isn't he genuflecting yet? Is our Lord really there after he pronounces the word of consecration? Does it require the the faithful's participation for them to right. see our Lord and sort of do their own you know, a thing to, to, for our Lord to be spiritually present. And then you genuflect. Um, so the implications are not good. And then afterwards, the, the Novus Ordo has this acclamation of, of the people. They, they, they um, say something. Um, one of the things they can say is, uh, let us proclaim the mystery of the faith. When we, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death. Lord Jesus, until you come in glory. Proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. When we eat this bread and we drink this cup, the Novus Ordo doesn't even use the word chalice anymore. But um, you know, like, why would you? Why would you say that right after the coming of our Lord, substantially present? Um, why would you still call it bread? Um, why would you speak about our Lord coming later on he's when he's here. already there? Yeah. Yeah. About him coming in glory at his second coming. Why would you refer to his second coming if he's just come down onto the altar? Um, it's The implications are not good. There's almost an implicit denial that that he's there or it lends itself to the belief that he's not really there. If we're going to think about when he's going to come sometime in the future, right after he's come on the altar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, again, that I've mentioned this in, in previous podcasts, maybe with you, father, I'm not sure, but that, that lack of the priest genuflecting right after the consecration, when I, when that first clicked a couple years ago, when we were going through the crisis series and such, to me, that was the big moment of, okay, this mass is different. You know, everyone kind of has their own little, all right, this is when I kind of realized it. For me, that was it. Right. Yeah. The, the priest should fall on his knees. You should fall on your knees, Father, when our Lord is there. Yes. And he doesn't, yes. and he shows it to the faithful. And it's, like you said, it's almost this sense that the faithful have to acclaim or proclaim or be a part of it in order for the consecration to happen. And that's not it. Yes. That's not explicitly in the Novus Ordo Mass, but it's implicit. It's there. Yes. Yeah, the the implications are not good, and I mean it's it's impossible for us as humans to uh, behave in a in a certain way and not think in in the way that corresponds to the way that we're behaving. Our actions are going to have an effect on us, and if we're not acting anymore in a certain way, we're not going to believe in in, in the traditional way. So. Changing these things has had huge impact on on people because the Eucharist is no longer being treated as the real presence. 
there's a huge loss in real presence. I mean, it would take it's almost like take a miracle to continue to believe in the real presence when you have yeah. this mass, which doesn't imply a belief in the real presence. I mean, there's right. only two genuflections and they're just um, after the elevation. That's the only times you're genuflecting. And there's so many other things that we're going to get into that there's a lack of reverence. That just all the, the signs of reverence have been stripped from the Mass, the signs of reverence for the Eucharist. Um, so no wonder people don't believe in it anymore. Even Catholics don't believe in the, in the real yeah. presence anymore. Well, let's go through some of the prayers after the, after the consecration, uh, Father. Um, how much have these been changed? Um, so <clears throat> after the consecration um, for this Eucharistic prayer, number one, which, which as I say, is, is modeled after the traditional Mass, but makes some important changes. Um, for the first prayer after the, the consecration, um, you, you have this word gifts appearing again instead of the word victim. Um, the, vic- the word victim should appear, but it's, uh, it's not there. It's only the word gifts. It's, Father, we celebrate the memory of Christ, your Son. We, your people and your ministers, recall his passion, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into glory. And from the many gifts you have given us, we offer to you, God of glory and majesty, this holy and perfect sacrifice, the bread of life and the cup of eternal salvation. Now, this expression, the bread of life and the cup of eternal salvation, or chalice of eternal salvation in the Old Mass, they, they both appear in the Old Mass. But after saying that this is a holy victim, a spotless victim, you know, a, a perfect victim, and, and all of that is is removed to, to leave us in this ambiguous realm where we, 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 we're not explicitly expressing that this is the sacrifice of a living victim to God. Um, the following prayer again removes the word victim. Look with favor on these offerings and accept them as you once accepted the gifts of your servant Abel and the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in the faith, and the bread and wine offered by your priest Melchizedek. Um, then we have the equivalent of the Supaches Te Rogamos. Um, there is one more cross, but this is the second sign of the cross, but it's it's only made for the priest. It's not made to identify, uh, link the the, our Lord on the altar to the cross. Uh, Almighty God, we pray that your angel may take this sacrifice to your altar in heaven. Then as we receive from this altar the sacred body and blood of your Son, let us be filled with every grace and blessing. So there again, it, it does it does refer to the real presence there. Um, the memento of the dead is very similar to the prayer and the traditional Mass. Um, then it's the Nobis Coque Peccatoribus, um, a time when we mention the saints, but uh, as I mentioned, the the only saints that are left that the, that they must say are ones that are mentioned in Scripture. Um, it says, Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who pleased you throughout the ages, that we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Um, You can leave out Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, and Anastasia. Um, And then you have the two final prayers of the Eucharistic prayer, um, the the Paraquim um, and the Paraipsum. And they're almost the same as the traditional Mass. It's just they remove the signs of the cross. I think there's almost ten signs of the cross in the traditional Mass, um, and they're no longer there. 
Okay. All right. Um, communion. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's a big deal in the new Mass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, a little strange. They, they um, instead of saying that, you know, being admonished by God and um, we, we make bold to say, um, they just say, let us pray to, with confidence to the Father in the words our Savior gave us. Um, setting, instead of saying, okay, God wants us to pray this way. Um, and then there's the Our Father. Um, and what's what's strange is that later on, the, um, the faithful are asked to give the Protestant conclusion to the Our Father. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. That's kind of shocking. And there's the Libranos, the deliver us from every evil prayer. Um, deliver us, Lord, from every evil. Grant us peace in our day. In your mercy, keep us free from sin. And protect us from all anxiety as we, as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's when the faithful respond for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Um, and that, that conclusion of the Our Father was added uh, by Cranmer to the Book of, of Common Prayer. And here it is in what's supposed to be a Catholic Mass, you know. Right. Yeah, that's really striking. Um, the Kiss of Peace was, was done um, by the congregation in history, uh, but like we've talked about before, it was done away with. So what does the new Mass do, Father? Yeah, so the the, uh, the Kiss of Peace was seriously reduced, and now it's only a solemn high Mass in the traditional rite, and it's just done by the clergy. It's not done by the faithful. Um, but they now do it at, at every single Novus Ordo Mass, and it's it's another one of those places where the cringe meter is really high. Let us offer each other a sign of Christ's peace. Um, the, the, that Nova Soto Mass that that um, that I, I, I watched uh, over and over again to to study the Nova Soto Mass, and the priest just goes to the side and he just like shakes the hand of the server. Basically, um, we know this this is very open to um, abuse, and it desacralizes the Mass because of the fact that um, it's it's a time for all manner of hugging and and um, talking just it's supposed to be a very very solemn moment um, and the way it's the way it's done in the traditional mass is you know this this like bowing to one another and then like pox tecum equum spiritu tuo not out loud but but just enough for the other person to hear it's it's very solemn and scripted um but you know, sort of mass it's just like hey you know hey you know give me a hug or um yeah that sort good of game. thing good game <laughs> <laughs> kind of like something that. like yeah. that yeah 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 um so the the kiss of peace uh the the, the they take the the prayer that appears after the Anus day in the traditional mass and they put that right after the libranos um before they do the Anus day and the uh the priest says let us <clears throat> let us offer each other the sign of peace and the rubric says, all make an appropriate sign of peace according to local custom, whatever that custom may be. Um, then there's the Anus Dei. The, uh, it's the same as in the traditional Mass. 
Um, and then the breaking of the bread comes at this point. Um, and he says, may this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us to receive it. Uh, the traditional mass, it says mingling, it says calm mingling and consecration. Um, so calm mingling is better expresses the, the reunion of our body, uh, of the body and, and soul of our Lord. Um, and consecration, again, the word consecration just doesn't appear in the Nova Soto Mass. Um, then there is the the other uh, prayer that the priest prays uh, before communion. He says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, your death brought life to the world. By your holy body and blood, free me from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me faithful to your teaching. Never let me be parted from you. Um, some criticize this prayer and say that it could imply that that Holy Communion um, absolves you from your sins, and therefore you don't need to go to confession. It's worded a bit differently um, from the traditional prayer, which which uh, refers to our iniquities um, and may you know just implies that that uh, some remnants of your sins are being wiped out, not you're being absolved. Then. The um, the priest has the, I think the third and the final genuflection. He he raises the, the host over the patent, um, and he says, "Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb." Then he says, "Once, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed." Um, and he receives communion. Um, he says those traditional words, may the body of Christ bring me to everlasting life. But when he goes to communicate the faithful, or rather lets other people communicate the faithful, he just says body of Christ and they say amen. They, they don't say may the body of Christ you know, preserve your soul unto everlasting life. Um, right. So, so this prayer that he says for himself is a little bit different. Uh, it is, another interesting thing about the no, new mass is it never says the word soul. Word soul is gone. Apparently, in the Shusha Masters, it appears 14 times. In the Nova Soto Mass, it doesn't appear once. Uh, one of the times the Shusha Masters says, May the body of Christ preserve my soul or your soul unto life everlasting. Um, uh, the word soul is gone. Wow. Wow. Um, next, we get to the communion of the faithful, which we could probably do a whole episode just on this. Um, yes. But where do we even start with with talking about this, Father? Yes, oh, big! It's a big question, and um, you know, I, I just I think it's it's really important for us to cover this the question of how the real presence is treated in the Nova Soto Mass, because if the Nova Soto Mass truly represents the sacrifice and the the presence of our Lord, then the our Lord is going to be treated with the corresponding reverence. But if, in fact, it does not, um, then it's going to be treated in a very different way. And um, it's so striking how our Lord is treated, how there are real sacrileges in the Novus Ordo Mass. The sacrilege is so common in the Novus Ordo Mass, um, especially through communion in the hand. So let's just talk about communion in the hand and some of the things that... that um, would lead, would naturally lead to communion in hand from the new mass itself, the way it's constructed. 
So it definitely was not in the mind of the, of the fathers of Vatican II uh, and it wasn't mentioned in the council's documents of, to have communion in the hand. But the fact is that once you start doing the new mass, it's, it's so natural to start doing communion in the hand. The Protestants, they specifically introduced communion in the hand because they didn't believe in the real presence. They said, if we, if we do communion on the tongue, we're treating it like God. We don't believe it's God, though. How do we do this in a way that doesn't imply that it's God? And they said, well, we'll just receive it, you know, in our hands like we receive any food commodity that was given to us. So um, they they also did not like the the way that it gave a certain importance to the priest to to give, to distribute communion. It's just like you take it for yourself, right? rather to be given to you. So it is true. That, I mean, the, what they say in the Novus Ordo is like, well, there was communion in the hand in the early church. It's like, okay. But it was practiced in a very different way from the way it's practiced now. Um, it was it was done very reverently. So they, they would take communion in their hand. They would bow down to their hand. They wouldn't, they wouldn't grab it with their fingers. They wouldn't touch it with their fingers. But they would bow down to their hand and consume it from their hand that way. And women um, had to cover their hands with a cloth and receive our Lord on, on the cloth. Um, and, you know, what, what we have to understand is, is, as I said, there was no um, worked out uh, theology of the Blessed Sacrament at the time. They believed in the real presence, of course, but they didn't think about things like, um, well, he's substantially present. He's, he's present in the manner of a substance. And so he's present in every single particle. Right. Um, and so we need to be careful about every single particle. So, over time, the, the church is like, whoa, we, we actually need to watch out for the particles. Let's not do the reception of, of the chalice anymore because um, that can lead to spilling of, of the sacred species. Um, let's, let's not um, do communion in the hand anymore because, again, that can lead to the loss of the particles. And also there were there were abuses going on. And people were taking the precious blood and they were like <laughs> they were wiping it on their face. They would they would like um a, a kiss kiss the the host and just um put the as I say put the the precious blood on on their face um and they would put the host on on their eyes and <laughs> wow. Um so, so they stopped. <laughs> they stopped. I mean right. the church realized that 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 if if you put it in somebody's hands, they can do anything with it. It's these crazy acts of piety. Um, they can do anything with it. And if you put it on the tongue, I mean, you're just going to have to swallow it. And that's that's the end of the story. So it was eventually decided that only the priest should touch the Holy Eucharist. Um, and the, there were there were three reasons that St. Thomas Aquinas in his day in the Middle Ages, once you would develop this great reverence towards the Eucharist and the proper practices to accompany the reality that this is our Lord. Um, so he said the only one, only the one who consecrates the Eucharist should be the one who distributes it. Um, and this is what what happened <clears throat> at the Last Supper. It was our Lord who consecrated, our Lord who distributed um, then secondly, that the priest is the intermediary between God and man. So the priest takes what the faithful give him. He offers it to God. Then he takes what God gives him and he gives it to the faithful. So this is what's happening at the mass. The, the priest takes this gift from God, the real presence of our Lord, and he gives it to the faithful. It's not like the faithful give it to himself. So they just take the, the Eucharist and, you know, they communicate themselves. Uh, whereas the priest does 
do communion in the hand. I do communion in the hand every day because I'm a priest. Um, so I communicate myself, but then I also communicate the faithful because I'm the one who consecrates. And then he also says that that for reverence, for the real presence, that only consecrated hands should touch the blessed sacrament. You know, the, the, the priest in the ordination ceremony, the priest puts his hands up like this, and, and the bishop like smears his whole hands uh, with the holy chrism, <clears throat> with the holy oils. And so his hands are consecrated for the offering of the sacrifice at that point. Okay. Yeah. It's um. Do you know what I an image that just came to my mind was um, Napoleon Bonaparte didn't did not want to be crowned by the Pope. He crowned himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was an act of hubris. Yes. Right. Um, that just yes. came to my mind when I was thinking about this. Like people don't want to be <laughs> receiving communion from the priest. They want to take it themselves. Right. It's kind of the same thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I mean, uh, I, what I, what I, part of what I did to to prepare these notes was to read the the little booklet by Michael Davies on communion in the hand, and he mentioned something very interesting there um, that was passed on to him by this German lady. She said that that uh, when when the Nazis were coming forth with their with their propaganda, um, one of the things they were doing to promote national pride is it was they were saying um, the the German people don't kneel to to their God. The German people stand for their God, you know, um, and she was making the comparison with communion in hand where, where you're not kneeling, receiving on the on the tongue, um, but you're standing up and you're just like here, you know, you, you, you uh, receive it on your hand and you, and you receive it yourself. So what what um, there's a, there's just a very striking statement of Michael Davies in this booklet. He says every I repeat every traditional sign of reverence towards the Blessed Sacrament during the distribution of Holy Communion has been abolished. Here are all these things that have been abolished. Kneeling for to receive the Blessed Sacrament. Receiving on the tongue in receive, instead of receiving on the hand. If, if, if it is a meal, then you'll receive it on the hand. But if it's a sacrament, you're going to receive it kneeling. Having only consecrated hands or vessels or Lenin's touch the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Having only consecrated hands touch the vessels and linens that touch the Eucharist. So everybody who serves in the traditional mass, they know, the servers all know, I can't touch the chalice with my hands. I can't touch the corporal with my hands. I got to put on the gloves. You know, they all, they all, all the sacristies, they have the gloves and put them on. That, that is, is now gone. Uh, the priest holding his canonical fingers together during mass. Very striking when you watch the new mass. The priest never does this. Um, he just has his hands like this. The whole he picks up the host, he puts it back down, and his hands are just like this the whole time. So there's no attention to the particles. The Novus Ordo Mass represents a disbelief that the particles are actually our Lord. Um, there's no indication at any point the particles are actually our Lord. Um, the, so the priest is not supposed to brush off his fingers. The, the priest uh, in the traditional mass, uh, every time he touches the host, afterwards he has to brush them off into this into the chalice. Um, the priest genuflecting before and after the touching the sacred host or uncovering our Lord or covering him, this is this is gone. Um, gen, double genuflection before our Lord exposed in the blessed sacrament. Uh, the, the 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 faithful were told by the congregation of worship under Paul the sixth to stop doing that. They don't do double genuflections anymore. You know, the blessed sacrament uh, exposed. Then the Ottaviani 
um, intervention mentioned some other things. The the preserving of the priest's fingers from all profane contact after the consecration. So after the consecration, the priest is not supposed to touch anything else. So if I'm going to touch anything, if I'm going to touch the key of the tabernacle, if I'm going to teach, touch the missile to turn the page, I can't use these fingers. I can't right. use these canonical fingers. But in Nova Sorda, they can. They just grab whatever they want after right. touching our Lord. That's why the tabs are um, there in, in the missile, so that the priest can... That's why the tabs are there. Yeah, yeah. because you can't... You can't Turn the pages with these three fingers. It's difficult if there's not the tabs. Um, then the purification of the sacred vessels, which need not be done immediately nor made on the corporal. So the rule is with the chalice, after you consume the precious blood, it has to remain on the corporal because there's still some precious blood in there. That's why the server has to come to the priest to pour the wine in there and purify the vessel before you can take the chalice over to the side. Um, protecting the contents of the chalice with the pall, you know, putting the pall over the over the chalice um, when the, to, to protect a fly from going in there or, or whatever. Gilding for the interior of the sacred vessels on the inside of the vessel is supposed to be uh, gold, you know, gold plating. Solemn consecration for movable altars, no longer done. Consecrated stones and relics of the saints in the movable altar or on the quote unquote table when Mass is celebrated outside a sacred place. Now you only have to have one altar cloth instead of three. Um, the Thanksgiving for the Eucharist that, that is made, so for the Thanksgiving for, for the reception of communion that, that was made in traditional Mass is done kneeling. But in the Novus Ordo, they sit down. They sit, after receiving our Lord Stanley, we don't kneel for our God. Then they sit down for their Thanksgiving. And then in the traditional Missal, there's there's so much language about what the priest is to do um, if the if the blessed sacrament is dropped, and there's a bunch of different scenarios that are given to the priest. Um, the Novus Ordo missile removes all of this, and it the only thing it says is just like it is to be picked up reverently. Just pick it up, just pick it up. Um, if if we drop a host, we have to go pick up the host. We have to put the purificator on the place where the host is. Then we have to later on we have to to get the purificator and make it wet with water and wipe that area just in case there's any particles there. But there's no representation in the Novus Ordo Mass that the particles actually contain our Lord. So there's no attention paid to the particles at any point. Wow. Yeah. Um, communion in baskets. I've seen that or, or stone earthenware, you know, like pebbly earthenware. How do you ever get all of the precious blood out of that? You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's sad. It really is so sad. Um, when you think that one of the things that distinct, one of the main things that distinguishes us from Protestants is that we believe that our Lord is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. We, we adore him in the Blessed Sacrament, um, and for the faithful to be deprived of the actions which represent that in order to please the Protestants who reject our Lord. Um, it's You think of the consequences to souls. It is so devastating. So devastating. Um, so, you know, that's... that's um, Pretty much it, Andrew. As far as the Nova Sorda Mass goes, it um, uh, the end of the Mass. Uh, there is there is a, a post communion prayer. 
Let us pray. Uh, but there's no prayer to the Trinity that's found in the in the old Mass. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the Trinity is no longer mentioned in the new Mass. <clears throat> and there's no last gospel. And after the Mass is, is over, there's no more prayers for Russia. Um, probably be good to pray for Russia right now. Uh, probably need those prayers. Yeah. Uh, probably would be a very current, good idea. Very good idea. Current world events. Yeah, the errors of Russia. Um the request of Our Lady Fatima. It was, it was Pius, uh, so it was Leo XIII who requested those prayers for a particular intention, but that intention was granted. Um, and when Vatican City was established, um, that was I think that was the petition of Leo XIII, more or less. Then Pius XI said, instead of uh, praying for that, we're going to pray for Russia, the conversion of Russia. Um, and those prayers are no longer there. Um, so, in, in short, in short, Andrew, um, this this new mass is is a gravely insufficient worship. Um, the reformers were not seeking to honor our Lord and and uh, renew the sacrifice of Calvary, or or if at best they were um, trying to do it in the most minimalistic way possible, and leave the door open for it to be a Protestant worship service. Um, so they definitely succeeded in doing that. And the problem is that because the Novus Ordo Mass errs so much by omission, it leaves so much out, and uh, it's no longer uh, authentically re- uh, um, representing the, the Catholic faith. Um, it is a serious danger to our faith. If we, if we, we know, we know from the past fifty years that if you go to the Novus Ordo Mass on a regular basis, um, there's a grave danger of you losing your faith. Um, so. That's why in that in that um, podcast we did in the Crisis in the Church series, we, we just can't recommend that people go to it. Um, why go to that when you know why it was made, what a danger it is to your eternal salvation when you have um, the traditional Mass available to you, which we know, again, from history, hundreds of years, that this is, that Mass has sanctified the faithful and uh, it's produced so many saints. Amen. Father, Thank you so much for for taking the time to to go through this with us, um, giving us all this information. I know it was uh, you're, you're not an expert in the new mass, so thank you, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to prepare it. And uh, these last yes. two episodes have been have been long, but I think they've been very very useful, very helpful. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, Andrew.